Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve in the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So, if you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your old special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you have a 90-pound weakling turn into a toxic mess? Get the girl, and get revenge on the people who helped turn him around? Why, you get the trauma classic, The Toxic Avengers! Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. You know, these month-long things, I always seem to plan it out in a way where my next movie is right after I finish the month. Uh, <laughs> I gotta plan my shit out better, don't I? Well, we're done with Stephen King, and now we're going back into the well of trauma. Yes, trauma. If you don't know who they are, they're a wonderful independent film company uh, that has been around for a very, very long time. Uh, they were formed in 1974 by Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz. Uh, and you may have already heard me talk about this a while if you've listened to the Poultrygeist episode. So I'm going to save a lot of the background stuff that uh, you know you normally would talk about. But the thing is, is that these guys are truly... The independent of independent. And they've been doing it their way since 1974. Now, they've done production of some things. You know, they produced some movies that necessarily weren't theirs, like Evil Clutch, for example. Another throwback to one of the podcasts that did a long-ass time ago. Well, it seems like a long-ass time ago, doesn't it? Uh, but, honestly, they're kind of the innovative or innovators, I should say, <laughs> of the independent movie. They do everything themselves, and even down, in some cases, to the music. Uh, they have artists come in and perform the songs just like Body Talk that's on the Toxic Avengers soundtrack. Uh, they even went into a foray of kids' cartoons for a bit with the Toxic Crusaders. Do you guys remember that? Uh here, I'm going to give you a little refresh with their theme song. Toxic Crusaders, Toxic Crusaders. I had no friends, no girls, and help me till I got radioactive ugly. Toxic Crusaders. 
Now, uh, that for me takes me way back because I fucking loved that TV show. Uh, and you can imagine my mind as a little kid uh, not necessarily seeing the Toxic Avenger before seeing that cartoon. That kind of, you know, Saturday morning cartoon that we all watched back in the 90s and 80s. Uh, that you didn't know had any connection to anything else. I just thought, man, this is really cool. It was really funny. Uh, and maybe that one I have my nostalgia blinders, but I still love that fucking theme song. And it's one of the reasons why I ended up playing that whole thing in its entirety. Even though I know it's a little long, I could have just given you a taste. But you know what? It's cool on the nostalgia factor for me. And uh, I... I don't know, man. It was so much different than what the movie was, right? And really, my first uh, foray into the Tox Avenger uh, came in the mid-90s. Um, and I've talked about it before, but USA, the channel USA, you know that channel. The one that has like suits and other things that I don't remember. They used to have a great late-night block uh, that happened on Fridays and sometimes Saturdays, but I mostly watched it on Fridays because it was the night when I was a kid where I could stay up all night, uh, you know, without my parents going, boo, you got shit to do tomorrow, bro, you need to do your homework, and this way, uh, you know, I could sneak out to the living room. Uh, I mean, I went out to the living room of my own volition and didn't try to sneak around the house to watch stuff I wasn't supposed to, even though a lot of the stuff uh, during this time pretty much was stuff I necessarily wasn't supposed to watch. I mean, horror movies are one thing, but uh, you see, it was called Up All Night, uh, however that lady used to do it. Uh, and it actually was hosted for a bit of time by Gilbert Gottfried, if you can believe that. And I know I've talked about this show before, but... It basically put on movies uh, that were a little too risque for the primetime thing. So it was a lot of this stuff was almost uh, softcore porn, uh, where it was almost to the point where they would show boobs, but they wouldn't. So it was movies that were very, like, either extremely violent, uh, over sexualized. Or uh, really cheesy horror films. And it was perfect for little young me. And they also used to have like different types of cartoons around that time that were a little more adult in nature. Something similar to like Duckman, right? If you've ever seen that show uh, that Jason Alexander voiced, I fucking loved Duckman. And I could probably almost do a podcast on Duckman as well. Uh, but I'm not going to necessarily go that far. And that's a little outside the genre of horror, if you know what I mean. Even though there were some very uh, horrible things on that show, uh, it's not necessarily a horror-based uh, cartoon. But it was fun. So I used to stay up late. I'd watch these things on Friday. I'd watch some of the other shows that were on there. And of course, I'd always at least check out what the movie was going to be on Up All Night. Uh, now, color me surprised when things like Vampire Hunter D showed up on there. Um, Akira, the first time I ever saw Akira was on that. Heavy Metal, uh, which is a great... I know I'm naming a lot of animated films. Uh, but then there were gems like The Toxic Avenger. And every time that it would come on, I would have to watch it. I mean, I would go into the TV guide specifically after I saw this film to find out when are they going to play this next because I need to see this film. Uh, it has such a like, kind of, I don't know, root in my childhood that necessarily I shouldn't see, 
but I did, and I absolutely loved it. I loved how cheesy it was. I loved how violent it was. And from my young mind, the violence that is in this movie was kind of a different take on the stuff that I had seen. I mean, you really see some truly horrific things, but because they're kind of in a B-movie way, well, okay, they're an extreme practical way, they were funny for the first time. The way things happened. It wasn't something like watching Alien where you see the chest burster come out of uh, John Hurt's chest and you're like, oh my god, what the fuck is going on? And you're totally like scared and surprised. Where here you see something that happens and you just like, man, that's funny. In that context, it's very funny. And I had to see more. I had to find other films, you know, from whomever created this. And sadly, they didn't play a whole lot of trauma on there. Uh, but they, you know, USA was also, I believe, at least growing up for me, I believe they were responsible for the cartoon. And, you know, even my mind put the two and two together. Oh my God, this is what it's based off of. And then it was, oh my God, I can't believe that that cartoon's based off of this. Because that cartoon is extremely milquetoast. I mean, it's a little out there in some regards, some inside jokes and stuff like that. But the amount of nudity and violence that is in the goddamn movie, how does that translate over to a kid's show? I will never fucking know. So we're now, you know, I'm at the age now where I can look back and maybe put off my, or should I take off my nostalgia blinders and look at this film in a brand new way. Uh, Can I do it? Can I not do it? Uh, It's hard when this is a childhood favorite of mine. And honestly... If you've never seen a lot of the other stuff that Trauma produces, um, one, I would go back and listen to the Poltergeist episode if you've never heard that one before. It One, it's much different than the way that I do the reviews now, so it's kind of interesting to look back and listen to it. Uh, and two, it's a much... Uh, you, you can see how the style has progressed from what was done, especially since that movie's a musical, which is weird. Uh, but, and spoiler alert... Uh, and and then and just the way that uh, it differs from the Toxic Avenger in some regards. In other regards, it's exactly the same. The humor is exactly the same. The the style of filming, the style of editing, the the way the characters are presented themselves. Uh, in fact, I believe there's even a cameo from the Toxic Avenger is in. Uh, the that uh, Poltergeist movie as one of the workers of the chicken restaurant that's there uh, that dies a horrible, horrible death like many of the people in that restaurant. So, uh, you know, without further ado, and not trying to get more into this and being, you know, ooh, I'm going to talk more about my childhood and how I love Toxie and, oh, fuck, I can't raise starting it. Uh, yeah, Toxie, the Toxic Avenger here, or Melvin, he's going to be referred as Toxie for the entire thing. Uh, that's just it. Um, <laughs> there's no other way to say it. Uh, but I will say this. Um, Lloyd Kaufman... That dude is a freaking treasure and genius. Uh, Just the way that he's done his films. You may not like all the films. You may think that they're horrible. You may think that they're terrible. And they're unwatchable. And in some cases, yes. Yes, they are. But he's always maintained the same mantra through the years with trauma. And it's truly to be an independent company. Even with them kind of coming back into Hollywood, uh, 
it's still something that they want to do it their way, not necessarily the way the Hollywood wants to do it. And I would definitely check out their library of films, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about it at the end. Uh, but they're readily available for you. And some of them are free on YouTube. Some of them are available through Amazon Prime. Uh, as long as you have a Prime subscription, you can watch almost every, or just go and give them fucking money, man. Uh, Troma is a United States film treasure, and they should be remembered that way. So, without further ado, let's get into the Toxic Avenger. Hey, Mr. Narrator, why don't you tell me a little bit more about this film? New York City, the world capital of culture and industry. Here among the towering skyscrapers, civilization is guided by men of progress and the wonders of technology. But for all this industrial advancement, there is a price to pay. Pollution. The unavoidable byproduct of today's society. Every year, millions of gallons of poisonous wastes, garbage, and radioactive chemicals are disposed of in nearby towns such as Tromaville, the toxic waste-dumping capital of the world. Our story takes place at the Tromaville Health Club, where a young man named Melvin Ferd works. Melvin's entire life, in fact, entire being, was changed by toxic chemical waste. So, this is where we get our first view of Melvin, and we get the lovely song, Body Talk, uh, that gets played constantly through this film. Uh, if there's one thing that is... <laughs> the soundtrack is is good for the time, for 1985, uh, but it definitely does get overplayed multiple times throughout the film. I don't know how many times I can hear Body Talk... Uh, considering that we begin and and put it through the middle. But there's a couple other songs that are in here that are just kind of ridiculous, too, especially when the lyrics come in. Uh, there's one that even goes, she's just 17, but and then it kind of trails off. But it almost sounds like, uh, but I'm going to knock the bottom out of it. Uh, so, And it's during a scene that's kind of disturbing as well. Um, but we get introduced to our protagonist of the film, Melvin. And Melvin is a dork, a dweeb, a, you know, mentally challenged person. Oh, I forgot to mention this as well. Um, I know I'm not necessarily the type of person to hold back what I'm going to say uh, in these, you know, reviews. Uh, but I do want to warn the people that might be sensitive to some things. This is 1985. This is Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, there are going to be things that are said that are words that you may not like. And I am not censoring shit. Um, I'm not censoring myself for this. Uh, again, this is my podcast. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of the mantra that has got to go with it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I understand that some people, uh, Especially when we go back to these things, and I hate to put this type of disclaimer in here, but you may hear things that are not uh, the right nomenclature for what's going on with everything in the scene, uh, but it does kind of add to the charm. Now, again, this is something that as a kid on TV, I never fucking heard uh, until I saw this much later as an adult, when I could actually watch it uh, uncensored, rented from a video store, or uh, on a channel like HBO, which I don't believe ever played this film, uh, to my knowledge at least. But, you know, uh, growing up, it, it was a little more wholesome than I thought uh, it actually was. Though, you know, of course, violence is always fine. You just can't say, you know, 
some of these words on TV. Unless it's like a, you know, cable channel or, you know, HBO, Showtime. One of those things uh, out there. So, uh, here's Melvin. And uh, he's busy mopping up uh, the Troma Health Club. Now, during that little montage we got, we did get to see the Tromaville sign. And they called the place uh, the Toxic Dump of the World. And that's kind of sad. And you kind of know where things are going. And Troma being, I guess, outside of New York. Because our first opening shots are in New York City. And again, it's always kind of weird to see the Twin Towers standing there. You know, living in this day and age. But... Uh, it's more of a backdrop type of thing rather than it being a, uh, you know, an actual shot of the city. Like there was one, but then this looks more like, okay, it's being projected up there or it's a green screen or something like that. Uh, and it's also weird cause it makes it seem like trauma is really, really, really fucking close to New York city, which I, I guess it is, but, uh, I digress. So we get the awesome title card of the Toxic Avengers shooting into your face. And the title card is very, very 80s, since you know this movie was made in 1985. So we look at all the people in the gym. There's the obligatory fat person joke where she's in the, uh, like, I don't know, what you call it, like the running room. Fuck, I don't go to the fucking gym. How do I know what those rooms are called? All I know is there's the fucking weight room and then there's, like, you know running machines and shit like that and maybe you have a pool where it's olympic size and you can only do laps you can't go in there and have any fun if i want to bring my fucking rubber duck inside the pool you better let me fucking bring my rubber duck inside the pool okay that thing helps me float anyway so it's kind of interesting and this is probably the most interesting thing about the film in general are the extras uh they're always doing something and they're always doing something weird uh, nobody is ever playing it straight. It's kind of like that episode of Futurama with Harold Lloyd, and he's trying to film the Magnificent Three, right? And he goes back there, and he's you know telling everybody how to act, and then he's like, "You guys need to wave your arms around. You need to emote more. This is a talkie." You know, this exact same thing. Like, I feel like this is a or that was a little take on Lloyd Kaufman and kind of these early trauma films because the people in the background are always doing weird fucking shit. I mean, you have everybody working on their machines. You have different things. You also have a lot of fucking up-close shots of boobs, butts, and vag. Uh, but you don't, of course, don't have any direct vag. It's all vag behind uh, some type of workout gear. But it's just fun to watch the background in the movie because some of these people are fucking nuts. And some things you notice, something different every time you watch the goddamn film. Like, I noticed something this time that I hadn't noticed before. Um, and it had to do with the fat chick uh, <laughs> in a later scene. I guess maybe because you, you focus on things and if you focus on just the people in the front and after you've seen something for so many times, you tend to look around, right? You want to see how... The, the film has been put together so that you can, uh, you know, maybe catch the hints and clues of why someone's dead when you think that they're actually alive. Spoiler alert if you know what I'm talking about. But you watch all the clues that are being sent in there and you can kind of see, okay, well, this is where it goes because you watch the background. Well, here I've seen, you know, what's-her-name's fucking tits so many damn times that I want to look at the other things that are going around, you know. So here we get introduced to... Uh, a couple of, well, I would say the main antagonists of the film. 
But in a way, as we'll find out, I think they're kind of heroes at the same time. Well, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and talk about that mop boy? Would you take a look at that fucking guy? The mop boy. Can't even mop right. <laughs> He's so stupid. He's always got that shit-eating grin on his face. What's he so happy about? <laughs> I hate that mop boy. All right, so this is Bozo, Slug, I believe Wanda and Julie. And if I've gotten one of the names wrong, it's because they don't necessarily say all of them that much. At least the girls. Um, but definitely Bozo and Slug we hear quite a bit. And we hear Melvin a lot. Uh, and Julie, Julie, she gets her own little Julie, 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 Julie scene uh, later on. So you can kind of remember. Now she's the blonde, Wanda's the brunette, and then those two are just fucking dicks. So, of course, while they're, you know, talking shit about poor Melvin and they're talking about how, ooh, shit smells around here, Melvin, he accidentally dips his mop that he's using to mop. And he's doing a fucking horrible job, by the way. I mean, he's, like, getting in between two people. He doesn't even, like, rinse out the mop as he's working. He's knocking people into pools. He's uh, elbowing people. He's going in between as they're relaxing. And, of course... You know, we all have to kind of see him as the mentally challenged person that he actually is. Um, and he doesn't really have an idea what's going on. I don't know if I want necessarily that he's just a nerd and he doesn't know what society is really about. But he definitely is slow. Like, you can tell by the way the actor kind of portrays him. It's an interesting take. And, uh, you know, it's it's different from what happens when he turns into Toxie. And, and again, we'll turn about or talk about that just a little bit later on. So, of course, while he's mopping around and he's basically they're making fun of him, he accidentally dips the mop into the hot tub that they're in, which upsets Bozo to no end. Look what you did, you fucking asshole! <gasps> yeah, you fucking <gasps> asshole! Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> huh? Retarded? I'm sorry! Sorry, huh? Oh, you want me to go and get a fucking oh. disease? Yeah, you wanted to go and get a fucking disease? I didn't mean it! <laughs> oh, I didn't mean it! <laughs> Next time you fuck with me, I'm gonna take this mop and shove it down your throat. Oh. <laughs> He's stressing me, Julie. He is stressing me. Oh, Bozo. I can't take it, Julie. I cannot take it. He is screwing up my karma. Ah! I'm stressed. you did, you idiot. you Now, that's a big thing for Bozo. He's always fucking stressed and everything stresses him the fuck out but i want to take one second to talk about something and that's about the way that slug looks now if you've ever seen this film you can look at him and you'll be like okay i get it but if you've never seen it the best way to describe him is he looks like Corey feldman looks now like because <laughs> in 1985 he wouldn't have looked anything you know they wouldn't have looked anything the same because Corey would have been a young kid he's about ready to be that teen heartthrob with his other Corey friend uh and you have this guy that literally looks like Corey feldman does right fucking now in 1985 so that leads me to believe that it's not this actor at all Corey feldman he can transcend time you see he, he was able to go back. He took this guy's position just so that he could act in this movie. And I would believe that that's Corey Feldman. Now, the other thing is, is that people like crazy smoke in the fucking gym. Like, constantly. 
Uh, and it's best, basically just Slug uh, and his girl Wanda, who is probably the hotter out of the two. See, Julia, she's the blonde, and she is... Eh, I mean, she's okay. She looks great when she puts on the pink thing later on and when she puts on the one piece. Um, but really, like, if I have to judge the whole body the way that it is... Uh, you gotta go with Wanda instead uh, of Julie. And, you know, she and Slug, they decide they're gonna go back and uh, they're gonna get hot and heavy inside of the girls' locker room, or the boys' locker room, I guess, in this case, uh, because he paid somebody 15 whole dollars to make sure that he had enough time by himself with his lady. How long does $15 get? Does it get you an hour? Does it get you two? Well, according to him, it gets him for the rest of the fucking night. What a fucking deal! I only have to pay $15 to somebody so that me and my lady can just go to the bone zone over here inside of the gym uh, for the rest of the night and nobody's going to fucking bother me? How are they going to keep... Like, is he going to be a bouncer for the damn place? He's going to sit outside... No, 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 you can't go in there because they're fucking... Man, no, 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 literally, they're fucking... And nobody else can go back there. I'm sorry, he paid me 15 bucks. 15 bucks, yeah, can you believe it? 15 whole dollars, man. That's gonna get me, like, I don't know, a couple sodas, a couple hot dogs. Might get me some blow. You never know. So, they go uh, into the back and get ready, and Wanda starts getting hot and heavy because we see a, uh, a poster that's hanging on Slug's locker about a hit-and-run killer, and we find out that that actually is him. Can I come again next time you and Bozo go driving? If you want to bad enough. I love it when we go real fast and they never know what hit them. They never believe we're going to run them down. We keep getting closer and closer. Faster and faster. They just stand in there and yeah! We hit them. I love the sound of breaking bones. And the car driving over them, dragging their bodies. Oh, that beautiful blood. Slug. I want you now. So this gets her all hot and bothered, and I should correct myself in saying that he's the hit-and-run killer. Actually, kind of all four of them are, because they all end up going out together every time that they cause a mess. But, of course, you know the media, there's only one person that truly is the hit-and-run killer. So, they start getting on because she's totally turned on by the idea of running over some other people and also seeing the blood and guts flying everywhere, as Slug is. So, they start getting it on, and of course, Melvin, god damn it, that $15 didn't fucking do shit. Melvin was able to get in there because he's got to clean. Of course, he's the janitor, but they said he was going to be left alone all fucking night. And here's Melvin. Uh, and so, he walks in on them basically fucking... Uh, and the other thing I should say, one, here's the nudity, okay? She rips open her shirt, she's got it, but almost everybody, I would say, a majority of the tits that you see in this movie, they are all tanned in some way. Like, they all have, like, the bodies of the people are like jersey tan, okay? Like, they've been sitting inside that tanning booth for the past 17 days, but they've been wearing their bras or swimsuits or whatever it is that they've been wearing. And they just have tan lines. Like, every set of boobs in this film has fucking tan lines. And I don't get it. Shouldn't you have them tan everything just so that it would be uniform at least? I understand some people like tan lines. And some people, it looks great. On 1985 boobs, 
it doesn't look that good, to be honest with you. Because the tan is super dark, and the tan line place is super, super white. It's so ridiculous that I have to talk about this, but every fucking boob, every boob, tan lines. It's crazy. So, anyway... Tan line number one, she's on top of Slug, and she's going to town on him. And, of course, Melvin walks in, and they notice that she's, you know, he's watching them. Uh, Slug tries to stop him, but Wanda pulls a fucking switchblade on him. Where the fuck was she hiding that knife? Honestly, she is just wearing, like, a, it looks like an apron that just covers her her vag so that you don't see it on camera uh and she's got no shirt on so the only explanation is she pulled it out of her ass because she reaches behind her she pulls out the knife and she i know you guys are probably saying no it was probably on the bench and it was just set there because you know that's the way nope she pulled it out of her ass i don't care you can say anything else that you want uh she she literally goes behind, pulls out the knife, switches it on, and threatens poor old Melvin uh, that she's going to cut him if he doesn't leave. So, from here, we transition to their night activity, where all four of them are driving in a car, and they're out there looking for something to hit. And, of course, this is a game. And Bozo here, he asks Julia what the point scale is. Julia, the points, the rules, what are they? Let me see if I can remember the whole list. We found Jews, wants, niggers, and chinks. They're all worth 25 points. But Puerto Ricans, they're worth 30 points. Now, kids under 12, they're worth double points. Wait, why are Puerto Ricans worth so much more? You know, I represent that remark there. So, I guess maybe I should be happy? Well, I mean, there's only a part of me that's Puerto Rican, so I guess maybe they're going to get part of that 30 points. They don't even say what happens when you get mixed people. You know, what happens when you get somebody that's Puerto Rican, Mexican, and white? You know, do you get more points on that? And especially if they're under 12, right? Then you're going to get even more points for it because the points are double. Well, while they're discussing this point, of course a kid jumps on a bike and he starts, uh, you know, riding through the night... uh, I don't understand this. Why do you let this kid go out this late at night? I mean, it's clearly fucking dark out, and he's just going to go for a bike ride? Like, oh, okay. And it's like his sister. She's like, okay, bro. Thanks, sis. You know, he gets his helmet. He's all cute, and he's riding around. And, of course, he's seen by our crew inside the car. (laughs) How much is a kid on a bicycle? So, I guess it's 14 points for the kid because he's white and he's uh, above 12. He looks like he's above 12. And then 14 points for the bike? Like, bikes are worth a lot of points. You gotta find more people on bikes. Shit. Um, I wonder if this they have a home edition of this game. Huh. Might be fun to... No, 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 no. I can't go around doing that again. I mean, I can't go around kidding people with cars because that's immoral. Um, I'm just going to take notes for somebody else that might want to play this game later. So, uh, they pull up to the kid and, of course, they first say, like, hi. And then they turn around and, well, they speed up really, really fast. Well, I shouldn't say they speed up. You know, they speed up the film or, I guess, they slow down the film to show that it's speeding up. And turn around and then start going straight towards the bike. 
And just like Slug said, these people are fucking idiots. If I saw a car like that coming towards me, especially if I'm on a bike, I would get the fuck out of the way or go off to the side or turn around and start driving away. But no, of course, the kid, he just allows them to plow right into him and they send him flying over the hood with him and his bike. And we show him on the ground in a quite bloody mess. Now... I thought Stephen King was the only person that would be killing somebody in this day and age. Well, killing a kid. But you know what? Trauma, trauma don't give a shit either. Because what happens? They said, oh shit, he's not dead. And they back the fuck up, go back, and run over his fucking head, and you see it. It's worse than the Stephen King thing, because even though with with Maximum Overdrive, they run over him, and he just kind of, oh, I'm dead. Here, we actually see the head pop, and then the bitches get out of the car, I mean Wanda and Julie, and they go and they start taking pictures with their Polaroids of the mangled corpse, and we still see the kid lying in the street, his head popped open, everything, brains fucking splattered all over the place, and it's fucking hilarious, and uh, such a good practical effect, that I can't be mad about it. Uh, you shouldn't be mad about it anyway, you know, some kids, they need to die, uh, that's just the way life works, uh, so, it's just hilarious the way that it's done, and again, it's not done in a super serious manner, and you can laugh about it, but it's weird again seeing that it's a younger kid that has been killed, especially in this manner. So they all get back in the car, and of course, Bozo, he wants to do it again, but Slug, he can't. Because he got reasons. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it again. No, no, I can't. I got to go home. Oh, what? Well, I got to get up early in the morning. Got to go to church. Oh. All right. So we go back to the gym the following morning. And we have a lot of extras that cannot do the exercise. And there's a little scene where Slug puts a snake in the back of a instructor's shirt and then they all do these crazy things and you have the the fat lady again you know she's focused on for a second because hey she's fat and she's at the gym uh so there are things like that in this movie that aren't necessarily fun anymore that's not just because i'm a fat lady i mean i'm a fat i mean because i'm a person a human being uh it's it's just because at the time like there's a montage that we'll talk about that it's it's just so cheesy. And it's just one of those cheesy jokes. I guess maybe for the time it kind of works. And for now, it's kind of like, eh, the way that it is. So, of course, uh, we go around the gym and we see everybody. They're playing uh, racquetball. And if you don't know what racquetball, look at fucking up. I'm not going to explain what fucking racquetball is to you. It's kind of like squash with rackets. Uh, and Melvin is busy ogling at everybody. Uh, which upsets the girls and, of course, starts to stress Bozo out like he gets stressed every fucking time in this movie something happened. Uh, happens to him, I should say. Not happened. I can speak English, guys. I really can. <laughs> uh, so, of course, that gets Julie excited because she's got a plan for Melvin. And later, she goes out to the pool and confronts him to start said plan. Hi, Melvin. Melvin. Melvin, it's okay. It's okay. Hey. 
I just came to apologize. Apologize? Yes, I didn't mean to be so nasty yesterday. Oh, that, that's okay, Julie. I didn't really mind. In fact, I was hoping you could help me with a little problem I've been having. Who, me? Yes, but I can't talk about it here with all these people around. I got a great idea. Why don't you meet me in the girls' locker room? Girls' locker room? Yes. Then we can discuss it alone. Alone. <laughs> okay. Great. Let's say seven o'clock. Okay, that, that'll be good for me too, because I gotta clean the toilets in there anyway around that time. <laughs> it's a date. See you then. Now, if Melvin wasn't that fucking stupid, he'd realize that he's getting fucking set up. That's it. I mean, any normal guy would be like, okay, these people, they've yelled at me, she makes fun of me, uh, but she wants me to go back and meet her in the back room by herself? Yeah, let's go fucking do it, man. Maybe I'll be able to see her tits. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Uh, That would be a dumb person. A normal person would be like, Maybe she'll let me see her tits. That'd be great, right? But then I can catch up with her, and I can turn this around on her. And I got to see her tits. Uh, So, uh, we cut to one of the joke scenes where we see two truckers. Well, it's not necessarily a joke scene. It's a setup scene. See, there's two truckers. They're driving down the highway. They're driving through Tromaville. And, of course, they've got all the toxic waste. And they need to have a reason to stop in front of the gym. Well, why don't you tell us what that is, guys? Driving for two whole hours. Let's pull this rig over and take a break. Hey, the boss will have our asses. You know he don't want us to stop in habitated areas with this radioactive chemical waste we got in the back. It's dangerous. It's like that uh, cancerogenic stuff, you know. Hey, Joey. Yeah. You remember that dope we were snorting last week? Do I? Well, buddy boy, check this out. Holy shit! Why didn't you say so? Let's pull it over. So, of course, they need to go do their blow. Now, what I forgot to talk about in the last scene, too, was a thing that I kind of noticed this time that I hadn't really noticed before. See, the fat chick, when Melvin and uh, Julie were there, were talking, uh, she was in the background. And she was completely trying to mac on some buff, skinny dude in the background. Meanwhile, you know, there's other shit that's kind of going around. But he wasn't trying to fight, even though he looked kind of like a scared dog after he's been found out that he's been eaten in the cat box. Zach, you need to stay out of the fucking cat box. I mean, uh, so, uh, he, he's like there, and he's just, like, stiff as a board. And it wasn't necessarily the fact that he was hitting, it was more or less, like, noticing the way this guy was doing the situation. Where, you know, he wasn't trying to escape... Uh, she has her arms, you know, pressed up against the wall. It's hard to explain. But he's, like, kind of trapped. But he could easily get away. But he doesn't do anything. And he actually either is, like, scared and, like, giving in to her. Or he's, like, uh, just totally frozen in time trying to think, what's the best way to take this cyanide capsule so I can just kill myself so I'm not stuck with this lady? So it was just a weird thing that I had not seen before. Uh, was basically the look of terror on his eyes. So, for, they park in front. These We're still talking about the trucker guys that want the dope. Uh, they park in front of the health center, and they start just going to town on the cocaine that is in there. The cocaine? Uh, and uh, we go back inside the gym's locker room, where Melvin has finally met up with Julie. And, of course, 
her plan, uh, it starts to go into effect. Hi, Melvin. Hi, Julie. Come on in. Don't be shy. So what was it that you wanted me to help you with? Well, it's about Bozo. Bozo. Yeah, you see, I'm so sick of the way he goes around pushing people around all the time. He's so immature. In fact, I don't like to go out with him anymore. But I don't know quite how to tell him. Fat Melvin, I think you're handsome and sensitive and kind. Oh, Melvin, I find you irresistible. Me? Yes. Uh. Melvin, I want to do it with you. Do it? Do it. Do what? Do it, Melvin, do it. Do it? Okay. Wait a minute. Have I got a great idea, Melvin? We'll go down by the pool. And afterwards, we can take a cool dip. All right. There's one other little thing, Melvin. You're not wearing pink. Pink? It's my favorite color. I have my pink on. <laughs> so, I brought this for you. Wait, this is sissy stuff. No, Melvin. Pink makes me so hot. Yes. If you put on your pink, I'll take off my pink. <laughs> I love pink. <laughs> so we get to see her uh, tan line boobs too in that scene. Uh, and she she's trying to make him wear this tutu that's like pink with polka dots green polka dots on it uh and it's got the whole leotard that goes up so you know we're getting ready for the whole transformation of course coming up soon uh now i should also mention there too you kind of heard it in there if you didn't catch it but the quality dipped quite a bit but this is just the editing of the film and it's truly with being a uh you know independent masterpiece uh to be honest with you i mean this film itself was only made for five hundred thousand dollars and managed to make a box office take of eight hundred thousand therefore being a actual success for trauma uh but there are times where things get edited really really horribly like they were gonna use this scene and here we go you know it, it literally dips quality of video and audio uh just to get that and then comes right back when you go to the next scene so of course since she's shown him her tits and uh you know she obviously has no other con for him he dresses in the tutu and goes out into the pool area because that's the perfect place to make love why can't they just do it right here why can't he just be like listen bitch we're gonna fuck right here right now because you know what he's probably a virgin he's never gotten anything and he's like man if this is the way that it's gonna go we're gonna just uh, fine i'll do it at the pool i'll do it anywhere i'll do it on two two boxes i'll do it on two foxes i'll do it with a lock i'll do it with a croc i'll fucking do it in this pink tutu I just let me get in on that so he goes over to the pool area and of course it's super dark and we see how he's been set up. Ah, it's so dark in here. Where are you? I can't see you. Right here, Melvin. Come here. My lips are waiting for you, Melvin. Oh, put your arms around me. 
Oh, Julie, Julie, oh, oh, Julie, I'm okay, here. Okay, turn on the lights. You're so soft, Julie. And Melvin has been set up with a sheep with makeup and a bra. Okay, if it's going to be that dark, why put the bra on? Okay, maybe I can accept the bra. There's earrings. Why put the earrings on the goddamn sheep? Do you need to? Is that supposed to fake him? Okay, maybe, maybe the earrings. I'm still not quite sold on it, but I'm. it's maybe okay. Why the lipstick? Is it so that he kisses the front of the sheep and he makes it feel like it's a human mouth? But there's no way. And even when he grabs onto the sheep, oh, you're so soft. Wouldn't you feel wool? That doesn't feel like hair. It wouldn't feel like her hair. You'd have to be feeling some type of skin. I just don't get it. I mean, I know Melvin's slow, and I can't hate Melvin for being slow. But, of course, these people, and there's a ton of people there that are totally in on it and are okay with making fun of the poor guy. So they chase him around the building, and they end up chasing him to the second floor where there's no other way out. The only way that Melvin can escape from everybody is by jumping out the fucking window when there's perfectly good hallway right over there and he could just run away. But we need to move the movie on, and of course he jumps right into the vat of toxic waste. And he ends up getting completely covered in it and jumps out into the street where everybody from the place uh they come out first and they are still laughing at him as he's writhing around on the ground in pain and it really ugh that kind of pisses me off uh because nobody's there to even try to help him at all they're just all ha 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 but they realize that something could be bad and bozo who's still laughing at it says well this guy just can't take a fucking joke He's faking it, Joey. He's faking it. I think he's in trouble. Julie, this guy, if he can't take a joke, he stinks. So this cop ends up coming in and tries to get everybody back off and he puts his hands on Melvin and then his whole, both of his arms catch on fucking fire. And then we have Melvin, he starts catching on fire, and he starts running away, and I guess he's running back home at this point. And we get an odd musical choice, but it ends up kind of fitting there. Uh, I believe it's Night on Bald Mountain that gets played as he's on fire, and it's kind of cool at the same time that it's kind of weird. And and I could be wrong with the song, but I believe that I'm right. So of course now our dear Melvin, he runs back home, somehow he's no longer on fire, and he ends up busting through his front door only to meet with a prepared bath for him that he jumps and starts trying to wash the toxic waste off. But of course, it starts bubbling and he starts changing at that point. And his mom comes over and knocks on the door and thinks that Melvin's doing something else. My little Melvin, he must have finally reached puberty. So does that mean that she thinks he's whacking it back there? Like, he had to have already reached puberty too, right? Because he is a grown man, unless he's much younger than I'm led to believe. Because I thought he at least was a person maybe in his early teens, not early teens, but late teens or early 20s, I should say. And now he's hit puberty, meaning that she thinks he's like 13 or 14 or something like that. Uh... 
it, it could be. Uh, I don't know, but you know, he definitely, he definitely is older than I think you're kind of led to believe for this film. Where that's kind of where the Toxic Crusaders comes in, because I think in the Toxic Crusaders that TV show, I think he was a kid, and when he became Toxie, he grew up and grew older. Um, and if I'm wrong, please let me know too, because that's what I remember from that show. So of course he busts himself out of the ha- the house and he runs off into the distance and we get a couple of backdrop running screams with him out there. And then we cut to a night scene where we see three drug dealers getting ready to bribe Officer Clancy. When we lay this wad on old Clancy, the boss is going to have him by the balls. <laughs> I don't think old Clancy will take the money. Everyone says he's an honest cop. If we don't take the dough, I'm going to give him a blow. <laughs> okay, so there's the three drug dealers. And of course, the one guy that you're going to look at and you're going to be like, huh? Is the guy dressed in drag. Um, huh? I don't really understand the, the significance of it, but he's the most badass out of the three, right? So you got Cigarface and his two cronies. Uh, dude looks like a lady and whatever the dumb guy is over here. And so up comes Officer Clancy, and they offer him the bribe, and of course he rejects it. To which dumb guy breaks a bat over his fucking own head. And what? Wouldn't you rather use that to beat the shit out of the cop that you were going to do? Instead, you're taking away your only one weapon and completely destroying that over your head, and possibly knocking yourself out too. Well, uh, you know, dude looks like a lady. He starts totally. Uh, doing some sweet karate kung fu moves on Officer Clancy, and then they hold him down, both dumbass and dude looks like a lady for Cigarface, and Cigarface explains that the reason that he's called Cigarface is because he burns people's faces with his cigars. Okay, makes sense. Um, And then he talks to the cop and what he believes honest cops to be. Honest cops are all alike. A bunch of fucking faggots. What do you say? Shall I blow his nose off or what? Paul says, if he doesn't want to cooperate, we should make love to him. (laughs) Well, whatever the boss says goes. No, 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 please. Please, God says, no, 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 please, come on. I got a family. Say your prayers, copper. Okay, so they're going to blow his dick off, right? They're basically, if you didn't get it, they're going to make a vagina where his dick should be. And not in the clean, surgical way that somebody that wants to transition to being a woman is, where, you know, they take your penis and they turn it into a vagina. No, no, no. They're basically just going to blow his dick off and then fuck the blowhole uh, that they've created. Okay, um, you don't shoot somebody's dick off, dude. Haven't you learned that before? I mean, I understand that that lesson may have been more prevalent in nowadays society than uh, back in 1985. But still, that's just not the way to go. Blow his nose off. Fuck his face hole instead. Okay? Well, of course, here comes Toxie for the first time to save the day. And we're not going to see his face. He's just going to beat the shit out of these guys. I mean, he literally cracks somebody's head open. He pokes out guys. The dude looks like a lady's eyes out. He uh, tosses a cigar face 
into a garbage bin and then punishes that dick. I'm not talking about punishing it in a good way. I'm talking about rock'em sock'em robot style where it is just pound after pound after pound after pound after pound after pound after pound. I mean, I'm surprised the Cigar Face season has a fucking dick at the end of it. And then he manages to kill dumbass and dude looks like a lady and uh, let Cigar Face leave, of course, with a much higher voice. I'll get you for this, you monster Yeah, so, uh, I'm surprised that that dick is even going to be functional. Uh, and so Toxie then, he goes over to Officer Clancy, and for the first time, we get to hear what Melvin's new voice is. Don't worry, don't worry, I won't hurt you. I don't know what came over me. I just couldn't control myself. I've never done anything like this before. Melvin then goes on his way and he's uh, basically kind of, nah, I wouldn't say rescued, well he's rescued by Toxie of course, but he's uh, you know more relieved when he gets to the police station. I want to kind of talk about Toxie's voice here too because it's clearly 80 yard almost all the time in the film, right? He never, you especially up until a certain point in the film, you don't see Toxie's face. And it's crazy how long we have to wait to see what the Toxie adventure actually looks like outside of his body. Because you can see, the body doesn't look that bad. It's a little bit, you know, it's like he's got that New Jersey tan, right? Just like the girls did. Uh, but he's a lot buffer now. The suit seems to be fused to his body. He's got the tutu still. And you see the back of the head, and you know that there's some deformity, but you don't see what it looks like to, to much later in the film. So it's kind of crazy because I think I feel the way the scenes were done was basically they had uh, the guy playing the Tox Avenger run out there and just growl the entire time because you can still hear all the growls, and then they'll just put in the dialogue over later. So sometimes when the dialogue has a pause, you still hear the grrr and it's weird. So we go back. Now we're in the police station and Clancy is talking to the press along with our uh, German inspired and I would say Dr. Strangelove inspired police chief. Uh, and he's talking about how great that monster is. You will ra- raise your hand and you will ask one question at a time. Exactly where did it happen? It happened in, in Shinbone Alley. These three guys were going to kill me, see? And, and then out of nowhere comes this, this thing, this, this monster. I've I, I never seen anything like it before. Because it, it took these three guys and, and threw them away. And I don't know what it was, but, but God bless them because it saved my life. We then get uh, like little things of newspapers flying at us, talking about how the monster's good and that old type of thing. And then we get to meet the true antagonist of the film see there are multiple here i mean we've got bozo and crew uh we've got the little guys little players that kind of go around there just the bad guys of the town and then we have the mayor and his cronies and well let's listen in on them for a bit all right boys chief what do you got that alleyway was the most gruesome sight i have ever seen gruesome huh have you ever met my mother-in-law? Now that's gruesome. What about Cigarface? Have we gotten anything out of him yet? He must still be in shock. All he does is sit around all day bobbling about some seven-foot monster. Yeah, and the only other clue we got are those mops stuffed in their mouths. Mops? 
It must be some sort of political statement. Do we have any suspects? Nah, the whole town was suspect. Knuckles and nipples were hated by everyone. Well, not by me. They were our two best producers. Speaking of which, I almost forgot. The boys made their rounds last night. <laughs> and here is the collection. Yeah, and it would have been double if it wasn't for this devastating, tragic turn of events. So, of course, now we know that these guys are the corrupt government that uh, they have in Tromaville. Uh, I guess everybody in New Jersey just wants to be, you know, evil. Is that what we're trying to get at? (laughs) And, of course, you know, we have the police chief, and he does this quite a bit. He gives the Nazi salute. He has the German accent. And actually, these are probably some of the better actors in the film, to be honest with you. Especially the mayor. I really like the way the guy plays the role. I think it's great. Um, Not so much on a lot of the other people, as it's very clear for some of them, this may be their first time. Or when you're trying to act like you're blind, I don't want to get into that just yet. Uh, So, Toxie goes back home. Uh, There's a little... There's a setup scene that happens inside the gym where Slug uh, scares the crap out of, uh, what's her name, Wanda. And uh, then, but we also see Toxie, because Toxie strolls up to the gym and you think that it might be him and it's a fake out. It's really Slug. Uh, but Toxie, he ends up going home. He tries to see his mom. His mom freaks out and he runs away. And then he goes to live in the toxic waste dump that's on the outstretch of town. From here, we go into what is possibly my favorite fucking scene of the movie. And I can watch this part again and again and again. And this is the scene at the Mexican place. And it's just because, uh, you know, I said before, a little while ago, that the uh, police chief and the mayor are probably the best actors in this film. Nope, nope, I'm totally wrong. It's the guy, the, the two main guys in this part at the Mexican place, uh, the African American gentleman and the guy named Leroy. So Franklin and Leroy. Now Rico, he's terrible. Um, he is terrible. He is so terrible. I just don't get it. And there's some weird camera shots. Like they have like a reaction shot for him when they, they mention his name and he does a weird thing with his mouth and it's, it's terrible. Uh, but Franklin and Leroy are so much fun. In fact, hey, guys, tell me about the entertainment. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We are the entertainment for this afternoon. Now, on shotgun, we got my man, Leroy. All right. And on the cast register, we got that magic fingers, Rico. That's me. Last but not least, yours truly, Frank. On the stick. If you all do just what we tell you, it just might, just might get your asses home all intact. So the little thing that you heard was him twisting around a switchblade knife to which he's fucking horrible at. Like, it doesn't really move that much. I mean, it's meant to be impressive and they probably did like a slow thing and sped up the film so it looked like he was doing it fast. But he doesn't do a whole lot with it. It's not like he twists it all over the place and it gets in weird positions and you're like, oh my god, I'm totally afraid of you. When you're really not. Um, it's just kind of crappy. But uh, I digress because <laughs> the rest of the scene is great. Uh, you know, Leroy, he goes up to a mom with a baby and he starts threatening her with a gun. He uses the line, how's the baby want some of this hot tamale? 
and it's over the top, but it's so good. Like, the way that it's delivered is so entertaining. So I don't care that this is more over the top. Well, one of the guys in the background, he decides, hey, you know, let these people go and take me instead. And, of course, that doesn't end up very well. Hey, why don't you leave her alone? <laughs> we'll give you our money if you want money. Hey, look, pal. Why don't you just let everyone go and keep me as a hostage, huh? Huh? That's an idea. In it, Frank. No thanks. Shut up! It was self-defense. And... and it's just like little deliveries like that that just make me love the character. And I could watch a whole movie of these, well, of Franklin and Leroy uh, going around and doing crimes. And, you know, it, it would be cool, but it would definitely be a little of the ultraviolence because even some of the stuff that's happened with that, uh, you know, it's not so bad, I guess. They don't really do anything except for really, you know, shoot a dog. Uh, and shoot that guy and you get pretty good practical effects with you know the blood spatter packs and everything like that uh it's just a fun scene in general i I know that it's not meant to be a fun scene but it just is because i mean even leroy likes the fatties before he kills that guy he goes over a table of you know young girls and instead of looking at the two over there you know he goes for the fat one the biggest one at the table oh she's cute uh, and that's also where we get to meet the love interest of the movie. We get to meet Sarah. And uh, she's busy sitting there at the table. She's eating. And she's there with her dog. And the dog starts, uh, you know, acting up when Franklin comes next to her. And Franklin has Leroy take out the dog. And, again, Troma is not afraid to do some things. And another thing they're not afraid to do, shoot a fucking dog and, and show you the hole uh, that goes in the dog. And then even show you later when the dog's guts are all out all over the place. And of course, uh, Sarah, she freaks out. And now she does ask a question and you know what just happened to your dog, right? You make everything all right. Just let me introduce you to Ben. Ben! Ben! Nova! <laughs> hey, hey, Leroy. You know, I always did want to cornhole me a blind, bitch. Okay, I still laugh at that fucking line because I think it's, it's fucking hilarious. I always wanted to cornhole me a blind, bitch. I'm going to have to find out a way to bring that into my normal dialogue uh, every once in a while. <laughs> uh, just to fuck with people. Uh, but seriously, though, uh, how did you not hear your dog? What did you do to my dog? Uh, it got shot, lady. Like, they killed it. You should know this, right? And of course, before Franklin can do anything to Sarah, in comes Toxie to save the day. And we get that horrible knife skill that uh franklin has but he does get his ass beat by toxie and he gets his arm ripped off and beat with his arm uh then we got leroy uh goes after toxie and toxie probably disposes him in one of the best ways in the film which is fills his mouth with ice cream puts a some whipped cream and a cherry on top and then shoves his face into the milkshake maker and destroys him that way 
Lastly, we got Rico, who somehow manages to gain kung fu skills. Does everybody have fucking kung fu and karate skills in this movie? Like, if you're fucking dumb as shit, or I guess a cross-dresser, you know how to do fucking karate. Uh, because he tries to attack Toxie, Toxie is able to repel him back, and then shoves his hands into one of the deep fryer baskets, and then puts him in the deep fryer and locks him down in place. He then goes over to Sarah and he decides that, hey, I need to help you. <laughs> please, please don't touch me. <laughs> please. Hey, 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 it's all right. I'm not going to hurt you. Are you okay? Yes, I think so. But my dog, those men killed my dog. They shot my dog. <laughs> Could you take me out of here, please? <laughs> Please, I'll never make it by myself without my dog, please. Okay, all right, but uh, come on, let's go out the back way. Hey, don't worry, I won't hurt you. Come on, I'll help you up. And of course, at this time, we still have yet to see Toxie's face. And we're looking at about 30-something minutes, almost 40 minutes into the movie, actually. And we still haven't seen what he looks like. I understand he didn't change until really about 20 minutes in, but we're almost another 20 minutes in, and you still haven't shown him? I mean, she's blind. At least, you know, she won't see him, but fuck, I'd like to know what he looks like at this point. Uh, and we also, but we <laughs> we're okay to see a vision of the dog, because when she's like, how's the dog? Uh, he's, his intestines are lying out over there. Um, but it's just really ridiculous. And you see there with, uh, the ADR, uh, you still hear the growling in the background of Toxie when he's not speaking to Sarah. It's really weird. I don't know how to necessarily place it, but that's just something that happens. So the cops come into the Mexican place and, uh, they are talking with the people uh, behind the counter who got their life saved. And the drunk uh, that we saw a little earlier, who I believe is one of the guys in Poultry Guys. Now, I, I didn't get a chance to, before I recorded the podcast, just to make the connection together. But uh, if you guys could help me out with that, I believe it's the same guy. Because he looks very similar. And I could be totally wrong. But he's a drunk and he works in the fast food place. And this looks like the fast food place that was used in Poltergeist. Like they went back and used the same place. So it would make sense if they used some of the same people. Uh, or at least if this guy hadn't gotten his life together. That you know he's still a drunkard that works now at the chicken place uh, in Poltergeist. So, he talks to the chief of police, and he gives a description of what Toxie looks like. It was unbelievable. It had an eye up over here. His nose was twisted to the side. Huh? It was the strangest thing I ever saw in my life. Shut But it was a pink elephant, too. I'm telling you, these guys were going to kill us. It saved our lives. It was a hero. A hero. This guy is drunk. So... The other thing I want to talk about uh, real fast that's here in this scene, other than the fact that, of course, you know, they believe that he's a drunk because he is a drunkard, uh, is the random sound effects that sometimes you get in trauma movies. Where it's like, <laughs> like even when he's like, huh? Like, we got a Tim Allen, huh? in there and we get weird sound effects in the background and it honestly just lends uh, to the charm of the film in general. So... From here, we see Toxie's taking uh, Sarah back to her apartment. And is there a possible love connection already going on here? Of 
course there's something that's going on but she wants to touch his face and he won't let her and i want to see his face and they won't let us so i guess we're both fucking out of a a, you know what we want to do here so what we get also in the scene are a bunch of dumb blind jokes i mean when she first enters the apartment she goes to grab one of her walking sticks and she pulls all of them off at the same time There's the slapstick of hitting him in the balls. There's the slapstick when she's grabbing, she's holding on to him and feeling his hands. And then she accidentally feels his dick. And she's like, ooh, ooh, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) It's it's just, this is the cheesy humor that's in this movie. And of course, it's not going to be the first time that we see this again. From here, we cut over to a press conference talking about the monster. And we get to meet Dr. Snotburger. And he tells why he believes that the monster is just naturally good. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. With us this afternoon is Dr. Merton Snodberger from the Garden State Cerebro Reflex Research Center. Uh, Can you tell me, sir, is it true that the monster only attacks bad people? Yeah, yeah. Since only bad, evil people have been destroyed by the monster, I would have to answer your question... Yeah, from traces that have been found on the scenes of the crime and analyzed, we have determined that whatever it is, this monster has been exposed to toxic chemical waste. It is also highly probable that this monster may have developed a very basic instinct which draws him, or should I say, commands him to destroy evil. So I guess falling in this toxic waste has really actually improved his life, right? Like... He's stronger than he was. He He's no longer that 90 or 98 pound weakling that he used to be. Uh, he can speak properly now. He's no longer stupid. Uh, or some might say retarded. Uh, he has got, you know, managed to pick up a girl that seems to be falling in love with him. And he's got the natural ability to detect evil from good. Or good from evil. Was it that bad that he fell in the toxic waste? Like, honestly? Maybe he's a little brutal in the way that he does things, but it's honestly not that bad. Everything seems to be coming up toxic. Maybe he should be thanking somebody. Maybe. So, with that, uh, we get to see uh, that somebody is dealing dope at the gym. And he's. Uh, we also get to see the mayor once again we saw it once before and i think this is just a recut of the same shot where the mayor is laying naked on a table we don't see any of the nakedness but we get to see job of the hut in human form uh and we see that there's a guy he's going around the gym and he's dealing dope to people whether it's uh cocaine or it's something else we don't really know all we know is that he goes to use one of the exercise machines and toxie shows up and when toxie shows up uh you get that famous scene of his head being smashed in by the weights uh that looks so great uh and of course we also get to see wanda and wanda is looking at the pictures that she took when they killed that boy and she's enjoying them a little too much because once again we get to see tan line boobs uh and or maybe they're tan line tits we'll call them tlts uh and 
he, he she starts masturbating okay uh and she starts really going to her town i mean these pictures are really getting her off and while that's disgusting the way that she's doing it is really fucking funny because it doesn't look natural at all and then in comes toxie and he's dressed up like slug did before so of course she thinks that that's actually him right it's actually slug and it's not it's the toxic avenger and so she pulls off the the outfit from him right he's just wearing like the you know like a sack or some shit like that uh and or just you know, whatever the cover is so she pulls off the cover and this is when we get to see our first image of toxie's face almost 50 minutes in the movie that is an hour and 22 minutes long so from this point we've got maybe a half an hour left of the movie to see what toxie can do and we we still don't see his face all the time like was the makeup too expensive to do every day because obviously we see him from behind all the time but why don't we see him from the front and when you look at him it's actually pretty good makeup uh for 1985 and for being an independent movie I think it looks great. Uh, you know, one of the eyes looks a little faker than the other, but how else do you, you know, how else do you do somebody that's been deformed by toxic waste and that has an eye that's halfway down and halfway up his face? It just, I guess it looks great. It, it you know, I guess you'd be scared of it too if you saw it, uh, but it just sucks when you have the tagline in the trailer or you have the, the I shouldn't say the tagline, but the the parts of the trailer are just like, his we won't show you his face because it's too hideous too disgusting it's not that hideous and that disgusting but maybe for 85 and maybe because it gets revealed so late you do get a little you know feel for it well he gets revenge on wanda by picking her up and of course she's in the uh you know the steam room uh and he picks her up bare ass and all and forces her to sit on the hot coals until she burns to death uh, and you only see, like, the steam coming off of it. Because the next scene that you see is Toxie outside in the alleyways. And he's he's pissing toxic waste. So whatever he eats or whatever he does becomes toxic. Uh, that, that poses a question for later in the film. Uh, but of course... Th- and this is the the only problem I guess that I have with the film as it moves forward uh, is that he's just kind of confronted with things. They're all like, it's like playing a video game, right? Um, and uh, the only thing that you do is you go from danger room to danger room to danger room, right? So you start off in one room and you fight fifteen guys to be able to progress to the next room, and then you go to that room and there's thirty guys in that room, and that's who you fight to progress to the next room. And then you get a little disposition, you get some dialogue, you meet the main bad guy of the game, and then maybe you fight uh, like a boss or something like that, right? And after a while, it just kind of gets dumb and boring, unless the game does it right, okay? That's the problem here I have with the Toxic Avengers. From this point on, it just seems like he just randomly gets in fights because all of a sudden we get to meet a guy that's dealing in you know, like underage prostitution. This monster may have developed a very basic instinct to destroy evil. Hey, you in the alley? Hey, knucklehead! Oh. How about some nice young poo time, huh? No. No, take me home. Oh, no, take me home. No, you lied to me. You said you were going to take me to see the David Bowie concert. He's not David Bowie. Yeah, actually, he's not David Bowie. And she looks more like a he than a she. Like, they took one of the younger male actors and turned him into her. 
But I could be wrong, and that could actually be a young girl that they decided to use for this scene. And of course, once he decides to stop them, uh, that pops everybody out of the fucking car like a clown car, and Toxie starts just fucking whooping ass. And honestly, maybe you could confuse Toxie with David Bowie because his eyes don't look the same as well. It's just the hair. I mean, he's still got the crotch thing going on, right? You know, there's a lot of times where mm, you got to stare at Toxie crotch, uh, just like you got to stare at David Bowie crotch in Labyrinth. So he beats the crap out of all these people, uh, and he, he, I mean, he murders them. He, he absolutely murders the guy. He forces one guy to pee his fans, pants, and we get one of the funnier lines from Toxie in the movie. And you can tell all your scum friends that things are going to change in this town. I'm not just another pretty face. And that's where they have the weird, like, he says that and he's far away, right? And then they do the weird close-up where he goes, and he, like, leans into the camera and I even fucking just did it. (laughs) Not like you guys can see anything, right? But uh, it's fucking hilarious, the way that it's done. Uh, And uh, from then, we go on and uh, we see... Toxie starting to clean up this town and it's a montage of Toxie being the hero we see Bozo and Slug and Julie uh chasing down more kids and Toxie of course pulls them out at the last second but he takes forever to get the kids and the other thing I need to understand is they you know Julie and Slug and Bozo don't seem to give a fuck about the fact that Wanda's dead and she's not there like we don't ever hear once she dies nobody gives a shit Nobody. Nobody talks about her. You don't see it in the paper. You don't see anything. Toxic gets revenge, and that's it. Did you, like, hide the body? Uh, Even then, when they say, I really wonder where Wanda is. I've been really missing her. She's like my BFF. I wanted to hang out with her all day. Or they walk into the steam room, and somebody saw her, and her ass was on fire, and they're like, oh my god, that's one hot ass. And that's the type of humor that you get from this podcast and some parts of these trauma movies. So, anyway, so we see him going around, uh, you know... He just, he saves, uh, something, uh, from, (laughs) oh man, he helps an old lady cross the street, uh, he manages to hold a a baby, uh, okay, so one of the weirder ones, I should say, there's a lady, she's trying to open a, uh, bottle of popcorn, right, and so Toxie grabs it from her and is able to open it, but not just open it, he's able to pop the whole thing of popcorn, Right, so he uses his toxic powers to warm it up to a point so where that the popcorn will actually pop and be fresh for her. Yet he's able to carry around kids and a baby, and they won't catch on fire. How does that happen? Like, does he have control over his powers? Because if he's able to heat something, maybe it's just heat, right? So it's 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 okay. It's not like it's completely gonna catch something on fire. But still, it's enough heat to fucking pop popcorn. And you have to put that up pretty high to do that. And that would probably kill the baby or the old lady or the kids if they were carried off. So at the end of the montage, uh, well, actually, during the montage, I should say, uh, we get to see two of the gay characters talk about him, which transitions into the big bad mayor figuring out what he needs to do. Now, I didn't cut this into two clips, uh, which I could have. But I thought it was funny just kind of getting the transition from that to the mayor. So, have a listen. 
I hear the monster is so big. Well, I bet he's got his eye on me. For your information, everyone knows monsters prefer blondes. There's a feeling going around town that this monster is here to protect the people. And the jails are becoming overcrowded. This monster has cleaned the streets of every criminal. Almost all the criminals. He hasn't gotten us yet. Well, what the hell are we going to do about this monster, eh? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to kill him. Because if we don't kill him, he's going to kill us. See, it's such a weird transition. It's almost instantaneous when it goes from those two talking about the monster and how much the monster probably wants them. And the one that says he probably prefers blondes ain't even fucking blonde. He looks like he's got brown fucking hair. Unless that's a dirty blonde, if that's what you call it. But I don't know foot fucking hair colors are like. So, you have brown hair, asshole, so he's not going to like you either. And then it goes right to talking about how the fucking jails are full. Because he's really cleaning up that town. So, of course, they send more people out to him to get him. Uh, and Cigarface tries to go get his revenge. But, they, even though he's surrounded, they're all pointing guns. Fucking Toxie has motherfucking mad hops. Like, he's able to jump up in there, and they all shoot and kill each other, and Scarface, well, not Scarface, Cigarface, he goes out like a bitch, because he gets shot by one of his own men, and then he's dead there. We then cut to the daytime, and we see that Sarah's walking out of a market, and she's accosted by a bunch of bikers out there. And she talks about how her boyfriend's gonna come and get them if they don't leave her alone, and then guess who shows up? Why, it's Toxie. I guess things moved really, really fast to the point that they're now a couple. And so he takes her back to her place. And they have a lovely, heartwarming scene where you realize that love truly is blind. Why, Melvin, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful person. You're so muscular. It's been two years since I've touched a man. What are you doing to me? I've never felt like this before. Of course, there's smoke everywhere while he's getting aroused, you know, to simulate the fact of the toxic nature of himself. And then they start getting it on. But he doesn't remove shit. Like, I had a lot of questions when I was rewatching the scene. Uh, how does it come out? Like, how does his dick get out of those like fused on leotards is it just now part of is it like a natural condom like does it just stretch and he just puts it in her and she's oh, totally okay with it like uh, you know and and this is all because uh she was able to fill his face and finally since she filled his face he got to feel her insides so the other thing is is that even when they finish up you know if he pees toxic waste what does he jizz honestly this is an honest question is it toxic semen? Is it regular semen? Is it a mixture of both? Is it like, do we get like Blinky the fish type of semen? Th- semen with three heads? Uh, that maybe he can have weird conjoined triplets with her? What exactly happens? We we know that he pees toxic waste. And the only reason that I ask this question, I want to get in depth with this question, is we know what he pees we were shown it so why don't we show what he jizzes or at least explain what he jizzes in some way i understand you probably can't unless you want to get like an x rating on this thing which i doubt that you really want but at the same time curious minds need a goddamn answer 
Then we get a montage of them in love. And of course, there's a lot of like crazy things, you know, blind jokes that they have. She's making a ton of eggs for him, like a shit ton of eggs. But she keeps dropping the eggs inside the frying pan because she can't see where the garbage is. And then when she pops off the bottle of champagne, it's him right in the nuts. And then they, and she ends up moving with him into the toxic like swamp area. And is that really good for her? Like, I understand Toxie, he can't live anywhere else, and she really can't see the area that's there, but maybe she's going to fall into one of those toxic vats. I mean, he doesn't even really get rid of them. They're still out there. You'd think that the smell would be something that would, you know, turn her on to the fact that she's living in a toxic wasteland, you know, inside of an RV, though, and it's a pretty nice RV. They set it up pretty well, but he puts a fucking picture of her dead dog behind her like she can fucking see it. Like... It's ridiculous. And there's even like a scene that happens where he puts a cone on his head and she laughs at it. But it's like she can see it, but she's fucking blind. She's fucking blind. She can't see any of this shit. So why do you need to do it? All you need to do is have a bed for you guys to lay down, fuck, and have uh, mutant uh, children from your radioactive jizz. That's all you need. You don't need nothing else. So from here, we go back over to the gym in the nighttime. And we see that we're on Toxicam again, and he's wandering the halls, and he's getting in there to the girls' locker room, where you see Julie, she's getting changed for the day. Now, we this is actually a pretty well-done scene if it was a jump scare and it was meant to be that way. I think in the theater, maybe I would have had more of a reaction to it than I have before. Uh, but he, like, they get up close and she turns around, there's nobody there, and then he pops out from underneath the bench, hi, Julie, and it's, like, kind of creepy. And it's weird that the way that he's doing this one, because he starts choking her, right? And I'm not saying doing, I understand that he kills bad people and he does those things, uh, but this is him getting revenge, too, at the same time, for turning him into, well, a pretty cool superhero that just got to have sex for the first time, which he never would have had to have been able to have if he was the regular old Melvin, right? He's, maybe this is just his way of thanking her. He's just going to choke her out to thank her for the positive uh, lifespan that the toxic waste has now put upon his body. But while he's doing that, of course, somebody comes around the corner and sees him trying to murder her. And... It's things like this that don't really upset the townspeople. Like, it's weird, right? You would see, like, it scares them that, oh my god, here's the guy. But then all the newspapers are constantly positive about this guy. But yet here he is in the background and he's choking out some bitch and nobody really knows why. And because he's caught, she's able to get away. But it's it would be kind of interesting to see if they played out that angle a little more where you know, okay, here's this guy, and, uh, you know, he's a savior, but at the same time, he still does fucked up things. And those things really aren't talked about, and that's why the people are afraid of him. But we never really see that type and that side of things. Well, we kind of do, but then it's glossed over in another way, which we'll get to in just a bit. So he chases her around like he's Freddy Krueger chasing somebody through their nightmare in his boiler room, and ends up confronting her, uh, in a confined space where she tries to lock him out. And of course, you know, you can't lock out the Tox Avenger because he's going to bust through that piece of cardboard so fast. I mean, that door so fast uh, that he corners her and he stabs her with a pair of scissors. And of course, when we cut back to Bozo and Slug, he is once again getting stressed out. She's stressing me, Slug. 
Julie is stressing me, Slug. I can't take it. I cannot take this, Slug. She's not here with the car, and I gotta drive. I gotta drive, Slug. I all gotta right, drive, All right, all right, all right. Will you chill out? So they decide that, uh, you know, since they're not going to be able to get the car from Julie, that they might as well steal this car from this little old lady that's just trying to get home from uh, buying her groceries. So they go over there. They say, oh, do you need any help? Slug grabs the... I'm already laughing at the scene. He grabs the groceries from her, and then Bozo fucking just punches her right in the stomach, and she kneels over. Uh, and then she goes to the back, and Slug grabs a bat and just starts beating the shit out of the lady, to which he's very impressed with, but they do have to answer to someone. <laughs> Did you see her face when I punched her? <laughs> Beat that old lady like a dog. <laughs> Slug, there's that thing again. Let's get it. Shit, he's on the roof. He's on the roof. So they drive down really, really fast around the the city, and uh, Toxie ends up choking out Slug and throwing him out of the moving vehicle, which I assume kills him. He then jumps in with Bozo, and they start fighting over control of the wheel, and Toxic confronts Bozo with the evil that he's done, and Bozo gives his standard excuse. Hey, 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 what about the kid on a bike, Bozo? How's it feel to hit a kid on a bike? Feels good. I got problems. I got problems. I'm a stressed person. Oh, yeah, so stress is the reason why you go out and you just kill everybody. Fuck you and your stress bullshit. That That is one of the most annoying things in the film with Bozo in general. I mean, yeah, he's overacting, but the stress thing, okay, I it's more than enough. And, of course, you know, this is the culmination of that joke is that, hey, guess what? I do these things all the time because I'm just a stressed person. So he fights with him over to control the wheel. Uh, Bozo asks for him to give him the wheel, which... Toxie, of course, tears it out, hands it over to him, and they both go flying over a cliff. Like, what? Like, and then they crash, and the car explodes, explodes, and how the hell does he even, like, survive this? Like, it's crazy. Everything he's perfectly fine with, everything that's been thrown at him, everything... Really, again, he should be thanking Bozo and crew. He shouldn't have fucking killed them. They made him into one of the most badass things there was, and he has a better life than when he looked kind of normal. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, other than the fact that they did this to him and he needs to get revenge, but honestly, they should be allotted as heroes to him, right? Dude, you made me the badass that I am today, but they're still dicks, so maybe he could have just scared them instead of killed them all. But of course, he needed to kill them all. So from here, we go over and we have a very odd scene at the dry cleaners. Yo-ho! Mr. Wilson! Mrs. Haskell, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are the boys? <laughs> Those boys are such terrors, especially Scotty. He took his best girl out last night. And he came home with these stains all over his pants. I don't know what they are. I don't either. Do you think you can get them out? My car. They're putting a ticket on my car. Mrs. Haskell, don't move. Don't move. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. You can't give me a ticket. You can't give me a ticket. I have to go to the funeral. 
So, of course, he goes and he fucks that little old lady up by chasing her around the dry cleaners and then putting her into one of the ironing presses in the back and pressing it down. Uh, The guy comes in from outside, notices that the little old lady is dead, and everybody is just surprised that Toxie has killed somebody that's innocent. So he goes back to home sweet home, and there's this weird scene of him walking up, and she keeps calling out his name, Sarah does, you know, Melvin, Melvin, and then he eventually does come up to her, and he he says, yes, it's me, and then shows some remorse for what he's been doing. It's me, Sarah. Only me. You scared me. Is something wrong? Everything is wrong. What's the matter? What have I done? Oh, it's not what you've done. It's what I've done. I, I think I'm out of control. You see, you're blind, Sarah. You don't know who I am. I'm really the monster hero you've heard about. And every day I go out and I mash people. I tear them apart and I can't stop. You better move back to your apartment. I don't think it's safe for you to be around me. Oh, Melvin, I couldn't leave you now. I love you, Melvin. I wish we could go somewhere. Yeah. Some faraway place where there are no people, where I can't kill anybody. What about that spot near Miller's farm that you told me about, where you used to go to be alone? You said that was a very special place. Well, we could try it. So they decide that they're going to go live in the middle of a field. Like, (laughs) when you finally find out what it is, and spoiler alert that I'm getting to this so early before we actually see where they're at... Uh, they literally are going to live in the middle of a fucking field. Like, I thought it would be like a, a house or something. No, it's just a tent. That's all it is. So, from here, we cut over and there's a press conference that's going to happen about how the monster, how Toxie killed this little old lady. And we find out that the little old lady actually wasn't that innocent. Mayor, Mayor. Our monster made a little bit of a mistake. You can't go around dry cleaning little old ladies. The public won't stand for it. We can kill him now with no flack from anybody. Nine, nine. Bad news, Mayor. That little old lady was hardly a pillar of the community. In fact, she was head of an international white slavery ring. And she had a police record a mile long. A white slavery ring? Like, they come out and say that she was more of like a white supremacist, but white slavery ring? Like, she was pimping out white people? That's weird. Okay, well, in any case, she really was an evil person, and Toxie killed her for the just reason, because he knows good from bad, right? So they have this press conference where the mayor, he answers a bunch of questions about what they're going to do with the Toxic Avenger, because now, of course, he wants to kill it, because eventually it's going to come after him. And he now, he because he's killed this little old lady that they're going to try to hide this information from everybody. They can get the National Guard to come out there and kill poor little old Toxie. Uh, Miss Fink. What is your administration's stand in regard to this alleged monster? Is he a menace or a miracle? He's definitely a menace, Miss Fink. Right now, there's a massive search underway to find a thing and destroy it. Uh, yes, Mr. Leonard. Instead of trying to kill him, shouldn't we be trying to capture him, bring him in, study him? It is not a human being. It is an it. You kill an it. 
So they they gather everybody together to go out there to the field and actually, you know, kill poor Toxie. And the people of the town, they really don't feel like they should be doing this to him. And we get a scene inside one of the local businesses, an ice cream shop, where two of the people that were saved by Toxie, Officer Clancy and one of the fast food workers, they're talking and they really believe that, you know, Toxie saves. He doesn't just kill. That monster saved my life. They said a lot of other good for this town. Why are they going to kill him? We should speak out. Do something. Roy, why don't you do something? Speak out. You want me to speak up? If I speak up, I lose my business license. If I lose my business license, I'm dead. You want another shake? No, I want them not to kill the monster. I want us to do something. Listen, Johnny, you're just a kid. People can't go around doing things just because they're right. We have to leave these decisions up to the mayor and the police chief. That's right. But why would the mayor want to destroy something that does more good than the entire police force? No offense. I know how you feel, Johnny. He saved my life, too. But us little guys are just not qualified to make these decisions. That's why he's the mayor. Right? So we can't just keep doing things because they're the right thing to do. We have to leave them up to somebody else. That's the one takeaway I get from the whole thing. Well, the fact, the other thing is that if I speak out against this monster, I'm fucking ruined. So they all know that the mayor is somehow corrupt, but... They don't do anything about it because, hey, I'm going to lose my livelihood. Or, hey, we shouldn't just go around and do good things for people because we need to leave it up to the people that are bad uh, to tell us what to do. Like, this town is filled with a bunch of fucking pussies, man. Just It takes a, a mutant toxic guy to come in and actually clean up the town and do good police work. There is offense there, because if you were a good officer or the police force was good, then they would have stopped these criminals a long fucking time ago. Instead, you've got probably the worst policemen in all of New Jersey, the most corrupt uh, Nazi-esque fucking police chief that there could possibly be in all of New Jersey, and meanwhile, hey... I'm just going to sit back and fucking watch it go down. So, of course, the next scene that we get is we get to see the ta- uh, tanks from the National Guard all run around the town. And they're going to the field where the Toxic Avenger and Sarah are now living away from the rest of the town. So there's a fun little set of dialogue that they do where they jump around between different characters that I'm going to play for you just because I like the way they cut it all together, even though it's kind of shitty at the same time. Oh my god! They're calling in the National Guard! Oh, look at all those men! Oh, I hope they don't hurt the monster! monster they gotta give him a medal, not kill him! So from here, everybody meets at the field where Toxie and Sarah are sleeping. And we see them completely surrounded. Like the whole town is there as watched, basically, to see him get blown away by the National Guard. And when he shows up, the mayor, I should say, uh, he wants to kill upon sight. And that's when the National Guard basically tell him, that's not what we were told to do. Attention the clearing, Mayor. My troops have it surrounded. We think he's still asleep. Fine. We'll move in and wipe him out. 
You can't do that, Mayor. I've rechecked with headquarters. They want us to take him alive, not kill him. You're in charge, Pete. Come on, give the orders. Oh. Mr. Mayor, please, please think of what you're doing. There's an innocent girl in there with him. It's one life for the whole town. But, Mr. Mayor, you don't understand. He saved my life. He doesn't deserve to die. Shut up. Now, you don't understand the seriousness of this situation here, boy. How dare you discuss my son's life or death like this? I'm Melvin's mother. He's a good boy. He's never hurt anybody. So by the mom coming out there, that proves that he's not an it, right? He's actually a human being. And if anybody knew who Melvin was, they would have known that, hey, he fell inside that toxic waste and then ran away. And so now here he is. He is Toxie, right? And Toxie and Sarah come out of the tent. He tries to keep Sarah inside, but she insists that she needs to come out with him, which she does uh, for no other reason than to her be standing out there in her lingerie and forgive us something to look at. Uh, they all point the guns, well, the mayor mainly points the gun at Toxie, and then all the people from the town, they come out there, not all the people, but a good, nah, like a third of the townspeople that were out there, I don't know, it's like seven people, they go to block, they do like an I am Spartacus type of thing, where, no, don't kill him, you're gonna have to shoot him to get through me, and it's the people that he saved lives, like Clancy, and that kid, and then his mom, and then a couple people wearing I love the monster t-shirts, Really, like, it would have been different if more people had actually joined in on it because everybody in the town seems to love this guy. And it just seems a little weird. So they're getting ready to shoot him, and then all of a sudden, everybody but the mayor has, like, a change of heart. And they can't shoot poor Toxie. And, of course, they get the kids out of the way, and Toxie starts running up to the mayor, and the mayor fucking lays out his gun and takes a bunch of shots at Toxie. And guess what? Toxie's invulnerable to bullets. Did I not mention that before? Well, now we just found out that he can't fucking be killed. I mean, if he can survive that car crash, I'm pretty sure that bullets, unless it was placed properly in his brain, might not be able to kill him. So Toxie comes in closer to the mayor, and of course the mayor decides this is the best time to run away, but he can't get away because he's surrounded by people, so he cowers right next to a police car. He asks Toxie, no, 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 please don't kill me, please don't kill me. And Toxie probably gives the best line of the movie where he says, I want to see if you have any guts. And then he punches him in the stomach and pulls out his intestines. And that ultimately kills the mayor, and everybody is cool with it. That's the problem here, too, is that, oh, hey, you just fucking ripped out this guy's fucking intestines. But cool, you saved the day, you killed the corrupt mayor, and now we can go living our lives, and everybody loves fucking Toxie. What? Ugh. Well, Mr. Narrator is back. He gives his final thoughts on who you're going to call next time there's any trouble. We get the end theme, and we end the movie. So Melvin, the monster hero, rid Tromaville of all of its evils so the good citizens could live their lives in peace and happiness. And the next time you're in danger or in need of help, look to the horizon and maybe, just maybe, the Toxic Avenger will be there.
Toxic Avenger. Uh, does it still hold up? Yes. I would say it's almost a resounding yes. There are things, of course, that don't necessarily hold up, but in general, the film as a whole holds up so well because it's so entertaining to still watch. The characters are still good. The overacting is great. It You have to be in the trauma mindset, though, to enjoy this film. If you don't really... If you've seen something else of theirs and you're just like, oh, I just... I don't know. Please, just try to give The Toxic Avenger a try. It's worth watching. There just are some things that are still kind of wrong with it. The fact that he just goes out and mercilessly kills all these people, and nobody really seems to give a shit other than, hey, he's cleaning up the town. But he, like, even though the jails are full, he's killed probably by half of those people that worked with those people. Some people he just beat up. Some people he fucking ripped their eyeballs out. You know, it's absolutely nuts like and then the fact that he does that at the end with the police well not the police chief but the mayor right in front of everybody and they're just like cool i don't care is fucking nuts too like it's it's weird uh and you know there are three other toxic avenger films uh out there and i've not seen the fourth one which i think is citizen toxie uh but the second one is just as good as this one it's maybe a little bit cheaper and the third one eh, the quality that's where he kind of starts to dip a little bit but the second one definitely is more like a part two and just continues off from the story that happens here and they're still worth watching and i need to sit down and watch the fourth film uh and like i had said a long time ago on that poultry guys episode they're thinking about actually rebooting this thing and as of 2016 guillermo del toro was in talks to actually produce the film which would be great. And originally, Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be a part of the cast, but now he's not. Uh, and I don't know, maybe he's going to come back after everything's said and done. But it would be really cool to see another Toxic Avenger movie. Uh, and I know that uh, Lloyd Kaufman was kind of excited about it because, you know, they remade Mother's Day, which was a trauma film. Uh, and he was very excited that the the progress that they were going to do with that, and then that could lead into more trauma films getting redone. Uh, I definitely would love to see another Tox Avenger. I just hope they don't do like a Fantastic Four stick or Fantastic Crap stick or whatever the fuck that Fox wants to do with certain types of their fucking superhero movies. Where they try to make it like dark and brooding. They should just still make it like this. This is very fun. It's funny. Not all the jokes hit. Some of them are very cringeworthy. But in general, they're all entertaining like everything and like i said even the ultra violence that's in this movie it's funny for the most part it's very entertaining and i definitely uh suggest that everybody should see this film and that is partial the nostalgia filters coming on and it's just a fun fucking movie like you can sit down with it and have a good time and it's available on multiple platforms for you to watch so please please do uh, as for the ratings for this film, the gore gets a four out of five, uh, great practical effects. And some of them are a little cheesy, uh, but I fucking love them. It just misses the mark on a couple of things because it kind of tones down towards the end of the film until you get, uh, the intestine scene. Um, the crap factor, it is a four out of five. The editing, the cheap sets, the horrible over-the-top acting all make the movie very crappy. But it also, at the same time, gives it a five out of five on the fun factor because it's so much fun. I, like I said, I could watch that fucking Mexican place scene 
over and over and over and over again. It's just, I love it. I don't know why, but it's so entertaining to watch. Even when Toxie comes in, it's great. So, uh, overall, I'm going to give this 5 out of 5 mopped up bad guys. You're going to get the highest rating for the Toxic Avenger in my eyes. It's a must-see for anybody that likes cheesy, independent-based films. It's great, and the fact that they made it for so little, for $500,000, and still turned a profit, and it's still going on today and is as popular as ever, uh, everybody should see The Toxic Avenger. So, for the next film, we're going to honor the 700th follower on Twitter. Now, the podcast has reached over 700 followers, and I'm very grateful and thankful for all the different podcasts and people that follow the show on Twitter. Uh, but I didn't really get a movie suggestion out of the person that was following uh, me at number 700. So instead, uh, I actually got a request from somebody on Twitter, uh, with the handle squirrel with fire. And that is at Mr. C A P T D R nuts, Mr. Cap, Dr. Nuts. Uh, (laughs) and if I'm saying that wrong, please tell me. Uh, but that's, of course, I'll spell it out again, M-R-C-A-P-T-D-R-N-U-T-S. Uh, and he was asking me a couple days ago about uh, horror movies that feature uh, cryptozoological monsters. So, Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster, something like, like Placid, where there's a giant fucking crocodile, those types of movies. Uh, and if I could suggest a couple for him. And he actually gave me a suggestion back. And he asked uh, if he could, if I could review Abominable, uh, a Bigfoot movie from 2006. So, per your wish, Squirrel with Fire, here's the trailer for Abominable. The movie is available for free on YouTube to watch. You can search and you can find it uh, as well as uh, watch that weird-looking trailer. And the big draw for this that kind of brought me into wanting to do the film, not only from the trailer, uh, but the fact that Lance Hendrickson is in this film uh, really gets me interested. Uh, I love him from, of course, Alien uh, and uh, Millennium. Uh, if you ever saw that old TV show that was a spinoff from the X-Files, kind of. Uh 
but I mean, maybe it's the same creator, but I always loved watching that show and I love that guy. Uh, so it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, we'll be talking about it and remember that we're back onto normal schedule. So it's going to be two reviews a month, uh, for this month and for the next. And I'm going to give you a hint after this one, we're going to do a, a couple of sci-fi films, uh, rather than do some horror. We're going to take a little break from horror and we're going to do one that's kind of a mixed one. And then one that's kind of a uh, more straightforward sci-fi film. And they're both old and should be very fun films to do. But you'll find out about them after the Abominable podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the first and then we'll get into the second one at the next one. So that's just a hint of what's coming up uh, for the podcast. And, uh, and then after that, we've got another theme month that's going to come up. And I want to keep it a surprise. Uh, but it's only going to be two films because... And this is actually based off a fan suggestion as well. Uh, because, uh, I have never seen that movie before and I don't want to give it away right now, but you know who you are if you're talking about. And, uh, all I'm going to say is wrestling. Uh, and there's a film that, that's been done that I've never seen before. And I've listened to stuff about it. Uh, but now I'm going to take my stab at it and it should be entertaining. So as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, T underscore T underscore podcast. Go to the Facebook page uh, facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast check out the instagram and follow terrible terror podcast uh and always send your movie suggestions or any other ideas over to terrible terror podcast at gmail.com and uh i will respond to anything that you send over if i can so thank you guys for listening uh always again rate review like subscribe all that fun stuff on itunes spreaker stitcher all those fun platforms out there tell your friends tell your family tell you know your enemies uh that you hate and you want them to listen to some bad reviews that you want to listen to the terrible terror podcast uh (laughs) thanks again and we'll see you next episode with abominable it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.